The Interrobank podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Interrobank podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore. If there is to be reconciliation, first, there must be truth. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a very exciting guest coming up later on the show, but first, here's what's making news this week at Fanshawe. If you are looking for volunteer work, listen up. Fanshawe College is looking for students to participate as volunteers on Thursday mornings as mock patients for the Pharmacy and Practical Nursing Simulation Lab. The pharmacy and practical nursing students need three to four student volunteers per week to interview. According to Tanya Killian, simulation manager at Fanshawe College and emergency room nurse, the mock interviews are vital for students to become well-rounded practitioners in their fields. If you're interested in volunteering as a mock patient, you can contact Killian at simlab at fanshawec.ca. And the Forest City Film Festival is back in a big way. The annual festival recognizing Southwestern Ontario filmmakers is back to a fully in-person delivery. From October 15th to the 23rd, you can catch over 85 films ranging from music videos to the Forest City Youth Film Festival. New this year is the Best of the World's Fest, which will showcase a lineup of the best of this year's official selections from world-renowned film festivals around the world. Visit fcff.ca for more information or check out our website. Things got spicy at Fanshawe College last week as Sexual Awareness Week came to an end on Friday. From September 19th to the 23rd, the Student Union hosted a number of events throughout campus promoting safe sex and sexual awareness. Students could get involved with events like sexy sexual health trivia in the Outback Shack or take part in an informative discussion with survivor Chanel Miller, who shared her experience with students via a virtual appearance. If you missed out on any of these amazing events, don't worry because the FSU hosts numerous sexual awareness events throughout the year. Keep an eye on the FSU website to stay up to date. Now, you're listening to this podcast uh, today, I hope, which is September 30th, aka the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Now, long before this day was recognized uh, at the federal level, um, this was Orange Shirt Day. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about what that means with our guest today on the show. Her name is Chris Hanna, and she is an academic advisor with the Institute of Indigenous Learning here at Fanshawe College. Now, you've probably noticed that there have been a number of events throughout the college this week, all related to truth and reconciliation. And so those were efforts that Chris had put in um, in organizing these events centered around um, education and healing um, as we kind of grapple with the complicated legacy of residential schools in Canada. Um, And so this day in particular, while not a holiday, is also not really a time for celebration, but rather a time of reflection um, on thinking about um, the reality of uh, Indigenous experience in Canada um, and hopefully, you know, finding some reconciliation within that. So Chris does a really great job of explaining how last year really focused on truth and awareness and how this year's events had a lot more to do with reconciliation. 
So with that, I leave you with this conversation between myself and Chris. I really hope you enjoy it and I hope you learned something as well. Chris, Hannah, welcome to the Interrobang podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thank Great you so much. Here. Yes, we are so uh, like so grateful to have you. Um, and maybe first off here, just for anyone who is maybe not familiar, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Chris Hannah. Um, I'm the academic advisor in the Institute of Indigenous Learning. I've been doing that for like seven years. So I've been around for a little while. Um, and I'm Métis. So I'm, I'm Métis from Drummond Island and Penetanguishene. Um, my family is the Longlad and the Dusams. So that's a little bit of who I am and where I come from and, and part of why I get to talk to you today. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And can, can you tell me a little bit about also like your journey into working at Fanshawe as well and how you kind of came into this position? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes life just gives you opportunities. You just have to take them. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, my, my background, I have a bachelor's degree in health sciences. I specialize in health promotion, which starts to kind of look at the social determinants of health. So what impacts health outside of like eating well and exercising, those sorts of things. And so we talked a lot about like just different inequities that exist in the world. Um, and I think that kind of piqued my interest. I had really good uh, mentor when I was in university. Um, and I think she kind of helped me connect the dots between who I was in my indigeneity and as a person and where my interests lie. So um, from there, I don't know, I, I took a job uh, working in different First Nations and Métis communities in Southern Ontario. And I traveled around a lot talking to people about how about like getting into the trades and, and technologies. And then I made a connection here at Fanshawe. And when the job came up, he invited me to, to apply. So yeah, it's, it's important to like network and make connections, but also to just, I think, be open about who you are. That's, that's what got me here. For sure. For sure. You know, it's so interesting. I took a social determinants of health class when I was in university and it, it is wild how much it, like it changed my entire perspective about the way that I viewed health. Right. Yeah. And I was really fortunate in that I got to study that for four years. So it was really, really interesting, very engaging. So while I don't like necessarily do health promotion per se, I feel like a lot of the work that I do is still kind of in that area. Right. Because of course, education and employment is a big determinant in, uh, in health outcomes. Right. So yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> now, part of the reason that we're chatting today is because we're just when, when this episode goes out, we'll be just coming to the end of Truth and Reconciliation Week at the college. Uh, and, and the day that the episode is coming out in particular is, is September 30th, which is the day that's sort of nationally recognized as well for Truth and Reconciliation across Canada. Uh, and I know you were very involved with all of the events that were going on this week. So can you tell me a bit about how this week came together and what the thinking was when it came to planning out all of these various events? Yeah, for sure. So um, September 30th in our communities, well before the government recognized it, was Orange Shirt Day. Um, and so that was a day um, to remember the children that went to residential schools, those that didn't come home um, because of you know, all, all of the abuses that happened there, um, and the ones that did come home and then had to try to create a life afterwards. And so Orange Shirt Day is something that we've tried to recognize at the college for, for several years. Um, and then with, you know, the initiatives coming forward from the federal government, you know, it's kind of become a bigger thing. Um, last year, 
we had like a how do I even say this? Last year we had like a web call that people could come into because it was, you know, COVID still. Um, and so we had staff and students and community members come and talk about their experiences and what Orange Shirt Day meant to them. And it was very heavy on the truth. So very much, this is what happened. Here's how it's impacted me and my family and my community. And that is very, very important. It's a really important step but it's also a lot of emotional labor for us to take on um, on a day where we're already feeling all sorts of things to then have to educate people is a lot for us, a lot to be asked of us. So this year, what we wanted to do um, was focus on reconciliation. Um, so last year was the truth. This year's reconciliation. Mind you, there's still all sorts of truth kind of mixed into this. Um but so I was really fortunate in that um, a woman from another department around the college, she's non-Indigenous, she reached out and said, you know, what can I do to help? Which I think is a really lovely, uh, like, just showcase of what reconciliation can look like. Mm-hmm. So she reached out, her name's Candace Miller, just like shout out, she's awesome. Love, Can- love Candace. she's <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, so she reached out and was like, what can I do? And so we've put together this week of events where we can talk about you know, the truth and have people ask questions and start thinking about what what has been done at the college to move towards reconciliation and what people can do, because there is so much that has been going on, but people don't know about it. And I think sometimes they get nervous. It's it's kind of intimidating to get started. So we're really hoping to inspire people to move beyond just the stories, just the truth of what happened and start taking action about it because it's everyone's responsibility. Yeah, yeah, I see a lot of events that are sort of centered on education and just like engaging even with Indigenous culture, which I think, like you said, gets into more of that reconciliation a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you were touching on this a little bit, but I, I want to talk a little bit about just like the reasoning behind truth and reconciliation, um, specifically why the government maybe finally <laughs> chose to acknowledge it as a as a official day. Um, so I think by now, most of our audience is aware that in the past couple of years, um, countless grave sites have been discovered, uh, near residential schools across Canada. And I think, you know, for some people that news came as a shock, but I imagine for many indigenous folks, uh, this was maybe not particularly shocking at all. Yeah. I think you've really like hit the nail on the head there. Um, in our communities, we, we know, I mean, from all of the stories that we like have been hearing forever, as, as long as people have been comfortable talking about residential schools, which for some people has been a, a while and for other people has been more recent and some people not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as we have heard about what happened at residential schools, we know like, people in our community have always known that there was a lot of death and a lot of really horrendous things that happened there. Um, so for us, It wasn't a shock to find the graves, um, but it is still very emotional to to see it um, and to to kind of reflect and and know what that's, I mean, that's the end result, but there was a lot of things that led up to that end result, right? And then just the fact that, you know, not only were there these graves, they're unmarked. And Mm -hmm. so we've known that they're there, but now we're physically finding them, which is very challenging for us, like emotionally across the country. 
Um, and then, yeah, I think for non-Indigenous peoples, it's a bit of a, a bit of a, well, I think for a lot of people, it was like a massive wake up call, like, mm. because I think for a lot of people, that's not how they have perceived Canada as a nation, but it is a part of Canada's collective history. And that's very, very difficult for people to reconcile. I think especially for people that have um, belonged to religious groups that were involved in residential schools. And there were lots of religious groups that were involved in residential schools. I know Catholics get a lot of the, a lot of the bad press, but there are many, many uh, religious organizations involved. So even that trying to, you know, reconcile, who you think you are and how you're connected to your religion and your spirituality and what that means when you start to bring in all of these other factors. So yeah, that's, I think really that's what spurred on mm. this, this national day of recognition. Um, but I think we've slowly been heading here anyways, you know, with the apology that Stephen Harper did, I don't know, 15, 15 years ago now. Wow. Um, so yeah, you know, so it, we've, we've slowly been getting here, but I think, I think there has been like a awakening in the yeah. Canadian collective consciousness around this. Do you sense that some of these more recent efforts, both within the college and across Canada are making any kind of difference? That's a hard question to answer. I, I mean, things have improved. Mm. Um, certainly we're not where we were 10 years ago. I mean, I've been at the college for seven years, um, over seven years now, and there've been significant strides here as well. Sometimes it feels like an uphill battle though for, um, for the improvements that we do make. And I think like, I can only speak for myself. I can't, can't speak for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it would be nice if it was just easier mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there have been changes made. Like it, there have been significant changes made, but it's, it's draining and it's a lot of work sometimes to get the changes made that in my mind, I think should be a little bit, a little bit simpler. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I wonder even how, how you feel that like the, the, the efforts that are being made at the college compare to what we see at like the federal or the provincial level. Cause I think most notably, even for this week, it's not truth and reconciliation week across Canada. Um, that's, that's just here. Right. And other places that maybe choose to, to take that step. Like, does that, does that mean something to you when you do see that? Yeah. So, you know, it's, I mean, there was even a lot of feelings from what I could tell and and personally about, you know, it becoming truth and reconciliation day, Mm -hmm. which is a federal holiday, which, impacts very few people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, I don't know if a day off of work is really what we want when we're thinking about truth and reconciliation. So that was a little bit like uncomfortable for me. Again, Mm -hmm. I can only speak for myself. And then also to put it on top of orange shirt day, a day that in our communities, we have been acknowledging for many years already I think it kind of changes the narrative a little bit because mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, Orange Shirt Day is a day of remembrance and reflection and acknowledgement. Whereas I think in some ways, Truth and Reconciliation Day has focused more on not that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of tricky, I think. Um, and it's also hard because a lot of these initiatives kind of fall to Indigenous people to run. Mm -hmm. right and 
you know, like I said, I'm very fortunate here at the college that I've had not just Candace, but I've had other people reach out as well um, and offer to help, which is really, really lovely. Um, and it's it's this balance because there's only so many, you know, First Nation, Métis, Inuit people that work at the institution. And not all of us work, you know, in my department in the Institute mm -hmm. of Indigenous Learning. So everybody's got their own jobs. Um, and so it's hard because we've got this idea of nothing about us without us. However, you know, everything else that we take on in addition to becomes very, um, it's extra labor. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's hard to look at what other places are doing because I don't want to crit like critique mm -hmm. the, the labor of other indigenous peoples really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Lastly, and I want to I want to talk about Orange Shirt Day specifically, um, because like you said, this was the day that, you know, kind of is, you know, was the catalyst for what this day, September 30th became um, through this collective effort by Indigenous communities to wear orange on September 30th. Um, we are recording this ahead of time, but I know we're going to see lots of orange uh, on the campus on September 30th. So for anyone who is not aware, what is the significance of the orange shirt and, and why, why are we going to see so many of those uh, today? Yeah, yeah. So um, Phyllis Webstat was a, a girl that was um, sent to residential school. So a First Nations girl, I, I believe she's from British Columbia, but you know, Google it. Um, <laughs> and part of that her grandma had bought her an orange shirt to wear she you know she picked it out she was really excited about it it was her first day of school I think lots of people you know even as college students kind of exciting to pick out your like first day outfit right so there's this moment of excitement and I'm gonna go learn and it's gonna be fun and I'll get to do all of these things and then when Phyllis arrived to school all of her clothing was taken away from her and that really was symbolic of I think kind of the rest of her experience in residential school. Um, and I think very symbolic for lots of Indigenous people when we think about the legacy of residential schools. So that really, that's, you know, it's a, a simple story, but I think very illustrative of, um, of why we remember residential school survivors and, and victims, I guess, in, uh, in this way. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you see see them it really forces you to reflect there's like really no other option that's what I hope yeah yeah, yeah. that's what I hope as as this kind of continues on and gets bigger I hope it'll kind of stay that way in people's minds so I guess ultimately I mean what do you what do you hope students will take away uh from from this week what I hope students will take away and and what I hope like staff and, and everyone will take mm -hmm. away is yeah. that um everyone can do something to improve things you know I think um, for students in particular no matter how old you are you're about to move into the workforce and you have the ability to change things in your realm of influence everyone has a realm of influence and it's up to us to be bold and try um, I think sometimes we wait for like the right answer or like for someone to tell us what to do but like be brave try to do something and even if it doesn't like land all the way and, you know, maybe somebody gets upset because it wasn't quite right. I think the intention is really important. It's in, like, 
just trying to do something I think goes a long way. And if you do ever get negative feedback on something that you've tried to do with, with good intentions, try to take it in stride and adjust because there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. Everybody does. We're only human, especially when we're talking about things that, you know, maybe are outside of your experience. So, you know, if you're a nurse, how can you ensure that, you know, a First Nations patient who's coming in has access to maybe traditional medicines or an elder? Or if you're, um, I don't know, even like working at Shoppers Drug Mart and you're ringing someone through and they hand you a status card, how do you approach that situation? Um, if you're a teacher, how do you implement like Indigenous curriculum? There's all of these things. Everyone has a role to play. So I hope people will really consider what they can do, what their realm of influence will be, and just try. That is amazing advice. I feel like I needed to hear that too. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> well, and the media is another great example, right? So it's great that I'm on here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know what? Just b- before I let you go, how can people find you uh, if they want to get in touch? Um, if they want to get in touch, they can always swing by the Institute of Indigenous Learning. I'm in A1046. Um, just ask for Chris and I'll, you know, come out and then, um, you can always shoot me an email too. And that's at C Hannah. So C H A N N A H at banshawc.ca. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Hannah. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Interrobang podcast. As always, you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to pick up your copy of Interrobang on newsstands right now. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. For the Interrobang, I'm Hannah Theodore. The Interrobang podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply.